Thank you, Melanie and Melanie's mom and that other person. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, I'm uh, certainly glad you're back tonight. Thank you for being here New Year's Eve. And uh, as a child, uh, I, I'd say in 1965, I got probably on a 1951 little short yellow school bus and the church group, we went for an hour and a half drive up the road to watch night service. And then we drive another time, another watch night service might be two hours away or an hour away. And we did that lots of times when I was a kid. And uh, we had a few watch night services at the, our own place where dad pastored. And uh, haven't been to many of those lately, uh, but we're getting ready to have one tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor gave me permission this morning. So, hallelujah. So, we'll, we'll have a chance to go to the bathroom. I'll give you a little break. So, uh, yeah, I won't, there's no way I'd let you go. You wouldn't come back. So. No, it's not going to be a service till midnight. But some people might doze off. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's do this. If you got a ribbon thingy, Bob, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 23. We're also going to look at Jeremiah 22. It's not, they're not back to back right away, but uh, if you've got two markers or whatever. But then uh, we're going to start in Matthew and just mainly hang out in Matthew. I am going to ask you to go to Luke with me in a little bit, but I've got lots of verses again tonight and I'm not going to have you go with me to these verses, uh, but hope that you'll have uh, a willingness to have good attention and uh, see what the Lord has to say to our hearts tonight. I really told you this morning that I was so uh, enthralled with the genealogy. I just was amazed that uh, all the stuff I did not know and then uh, the joy of doing the research and um, some of you know what it's like to sit at a computer and you say, I'm going to take 20, 30 minutes to do this. You don't even know it. An hour has passed. You go, oh, I didn't, I'm sorry. And that's kind of what happened. Nancy and I didn't get here until six o'clock because of me. It's usually her fault, like most of the time. But anyway, I was still looking at stuff on the computer about the genealogy this afternoon. And I did it for probably two and a half hours. And I was going, there's one more thing. And then I looked up and went, we're supposed to have already left. And so anyway, so I'm here. So here we go. If you're able, Matthew chapter, I don't know if I told you, Matthew chapter one, please. Matthew chapter one. If you're able, we'll stand to give reverence and honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant. It is the perfect preserved word of the living God. And uh, I say that nearly over 90% of the time when I ask people to stand because we have, uh, we have a miracle. People say, have you ever seen a miracle? Well, yeah, this here, it's incredible. When you think about the prophecies that were made, there's some kind of uh, stat that says, if only six, it's either six or seven, if only six or seven of them were uh, fulfilled, it would be one to the 10, 17th power. 
And that's like a lot. <laughs> it says it would, could fill the state of Texas with silver dollars over two feet high. That's what the possibility of only six or seven of them. I can't remember the, which, which one it is, but there was much more than six or seven. There's like six or seven just in this little thing about the birth of Christ. It's incredible. Anyway, um, I'm not going to read the whole genealogy. It's probably worth it, but I've got a lot of other things I want to say. So let's begin, though. Verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Judah, or Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar. Pharaoh begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. We could go on down. I'm going to go ahead. And Aram begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Naasson, and Naasson begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, or Rahab. That's incredible there. And Boaz or begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. Wow. It's just wonderful. Let's go ahead and go down to verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away of Babylon... Oh, let me see. And the carried away of Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, I pushed a button. There it is. He told me all I do is push a button and come up. Tell you, these techies, they think they're better than us. They do. They're so much smarter than we are. Anyway, I don't have a bad spirit. That's okay. <laughs> I take every opportunity I have to make fun of something or somebody. Okay. Anyway, one of the fellows said that the genealogy of Matthew is a collection of rogues, misfits, and sinners. Yeah. Amazing. I do want to pray. I certainly need God's help. I'd ask you to pray for me. And then if you wouldn't, if you'd be willing just to pray for yourself that you'd be a good hearer tonight and not a hearer only. Let's pray. Our great God, I sure do love you. I'm overwhelmed that you love us so much. I, I'm just grateful. It seems like every song that we sing talks about how good you are to us and how you put up with us and how you love us and how you want to bless us. So God, just thank you. I do thank you for the good to hear. And it's just remarkable that we're going to start another one. And personally, I am grateful for opportunity to start again. I've started again lots and lots and lots of times. 
And I didn't always wait till January 1st. I've started in May and August, October, started again, rededicating my heart and life to you. And this afternoon, you know that I did it again. I'm thankful for your kindness. Thank you for the genealogy and your word. I pray, please help me. I do want this to make sense and we can at least catch uh, kind of the heartbeat of it and then it would make application to us with appreciation. And God, you know those without you that are not ready for eternity. Some of them don't even know they're not ready. Would you just, in your kindness, touch them, help them understand that you love them and you want to forgive them. You want them to be part of your genealogy. They just say yes to you. So thank you for what we've already enjoyed. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're about to do. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Satan has been trying to overthrow Jehovah and his plans. We know since Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. The Revelation says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, the devil, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. That's the verse that we use to say that when Satan was cast out of heaven, that he perhaps evidently took a third part of angels with him. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't imagine one angel. I don't care if he is like the cherub over the throne of God. I don't care how awesome he is. He knows God created him. I can't believe that one. And then he has the ability to use deception more and take a third. It's incredible. Genesis 3, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. And the woman woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also on her husband with her, and he did eat. Adam and Eve's rebellion to God's word has repercussions that neither of them ever imagined. The seed of the serpent infects and contaminates not just Adam, not just Eve, but all of humanity from now on. 
But God is not willing that any should perish. And he makes a promise and a judgment to that old serpent. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. We learned that Mr. Strong's helped us with bruise to crush. The serpent's head is crushed. The seed of the woman's heel is crushed and there's pain and wounded. Reality of being a human is going through the audacity of our sin. It says, bruise his heel. He's identified as a human. He's a man. But he won't be destroyed. He will be wounded. The Bible says this sin crusher, this serpent crusher is going to come by way of the woman. A man is not involved. Demands a virgin birth. So this serpent crusher is going to come by the woman. When God gets done giving the promise, the judgment, Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. And they don't have access to get back in. Some people thought that's a weird thing. Well, in God's grace, he says, you can't come back in. Because if they took of the tree of life before they had a forgiver, they would be in the lost condition forever and ever with no hope. And God put up the angels said, no, no, they're not, they can't come back here because I do have a plan for them. I have a promise. But Adam and Eve... God gives them this promise. And the, the, the awareness, I believe the awareness is there that it's the seed of the woman. I know they don't know biology like we've been taught biology and uh, we understand the uh, reproduction of humanity demands a seed and egg and a woman doesn't have a seed. She has the egg. The man has the seed. But God just makes it plain, hey, it's the seed of the woman. There's going to have to be some kind of miracle. God is going to have to show up. Yeah. But how much, we don't, how much do Adam and Eve know? Some of you would know this. The firstborn, Cain, came in Genesis 4.1. Eve said these words, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Oh, he's the servant crusher. Hallelujah. He's here. I've gotten a man from the Lord. I don't know. That, I don't know why Adam and Eve would not think that. 
I can't prove to you that they thought that, but I know they know that God said he's a coming. Hmm. So nothing's happened so far. And then they have Abel. Well, then Abel kills Cain. You go, well, I don't think he's a serpent crusher. Everybody with me? Now they have Seth and they got more children and which one is it? How will they know? How are they going to know who it is? One of the things that I came to is that they are left in only one position. That is to trust God's word. That's it. And when I wrote those words down, my heart was so convinced and convicted. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. What is going on? Adam and Eve, the only position they were in was, okay, we're going to trust God. The serpent crusher's coming. He's coming. And you and I are not in that position. We do have God's word. And we have it in its entirety. And you and I ignore and neglect it all the time. God help us. We too should be doing the same thing. I'm left in one position. I can only trust you and your word, God. Mercy. God does not, hallelujah, leave humanity without information. Humanity, Adam and Eve and Cain and Seth and all those born are not left on their own to decide who is it? Who's it going to be? It is amazing that God waits somewhere a little over 2,000 years before he tells humanity who it is. But he does. Listen to the words. Now the Lord said unto Abram, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's the first light that they have of, oh, he hasn't forgot the serpent crusher is coming. He's going to come from Abram, Abraham. Somebody say amen. amen. Mercy. There's lots and lots of movement we could do there, but let's keep trucking here. The Lord says that all the earth is going to be blessed. This is his promise that he's going to do. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Abraham has some boys. He has Ishmael, that's from him. He has Isaac. I know a lot of us know a little bit of Bible stuff, and we go, well, we know which one it is. Well, Abraham might not have known. He just knows God said all the earth's going to be blessed through you somehow. Which one is it? Well, in Genesis 21, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Well, now Isaac has a couple boys, Jacob and Esau. Which one is it? Well, God shows up and says, Jacob dreamed. And the Lord said, thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The same thing he said to grandpa. <laughs> we got a little connection here. A little idea of where the serpent crusher is coming from. Wow. So let's look up here. 
the genealogy of Christ through Joseph. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas. And Judah begat Pharaoh and Tamar, or Pharaoh of Tamar. Hmm. That's the genealogy. It's going to come through Jacob. We know God changed Jacob's name to, uh, well, like Israel. Wow. Well, Jacob's going to have 12 boys. Which one is it? It's got to be the number one. It's got to be the firstborn. Well, not necessarily. That's not how God did it. In fact, God had Jacob pronounce blessing on the 12 boys, and God lets Jacob know, lets us know who's going to include the serpent crusher. Jacob says it like this, Judah, thy father's children shall bow down before thee, and the scepter shall not depart from Judah. There you go. The serpent crusher is going to come through, well, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Judah. He's the one. He's going to have the scepter. Now, I, I'm going to use this word. Uh, a scepter, many of us would know that it would be some kind of like a staff looking thing. Sometimes they're quite beautiful. But the, sept, the scepter gives the picture that he the man. He the boss. He in charge. I got the scepter right here. So here's what I've done. I've changed the word scepter. Not anyway, I, I had a, a different thing in mind, and I, I used the word parchment. Now, I don't know that, I don't think that Jacob said, okay, here, Judah, here's the scepter. He just said, the scepter shall not depart. Is everybody with me? So I'm going to use the word parchment. If there were a physical scepter... It would be passed along. If there were a physical parchment, this is the decree. This gives you the authority, Judah, to pass it on to your boy, Ferris. Amen? That's what's supposed to happen. And then Ferris would pass it on to Ezram, Ezram, Aram, and Abinadab. Is everybody with me? That's what's supposed to happen. The parchment's supposed to go along. So what I uh, thought I did. Oh, now we go from David down to uh, Josias. And so that's the, the third 14. Now, looky here. Uh, I guess I need some help. If you go to the next slide, please. <clears throat> there we go. So Judas has the parchment. Isn't that nice? Now I need to go ahead and give credit. I don't know how to do this stuff. But as I was preparing, I went, man, it'd really help if we could just see it up there. But I couldn't make posters big enough. That, so, and I don't know how to do it. And my daughter Angie said, Dad, it'd be good if you made like, you know, uh, them things, slide things. Uh, I don't know how. If you give me the names, I can do it for you. So these are up here. My daughter Angie helped me, and I do believe they physically do help, and I think it'd be a blessing to you. Sorry that I don't know more about how to do it, but 
if I don't get it mixed up, I hope it's going to help. Here we go. All right. Through Judah, a human, through a woman, will have the legal right let me, to the throne. Amen? And potentially, well, this is where the serpent crusher is coming from. Because all the families can be blessed. Amen? Hmm. Now, uh, that old serpent, you know, the devil, <laughs> he is not idly sitting around waiting. I'm just waiting for my head to get crushed. I don't think it'll be long now. He's not sitting idly around. In fact, he's mucho busy Sorry to throw the Spanish on you. He's very busy. <laughs> I just, Spanish just is part of my love language and it just comes out. So. <laughs> he's been at work ever since Cain killed Abel. It's because of the liar, the deceiver, trying to destroy God's work. The Tower of Babel is because of the serpent. The worldwide flood, the total wickedness of man, only eight survived. It's because of the serpent. Somebody say amen. amen. The temptation of Abraham to lie to the Pharaoh about who Sarah is. That's not just Abraham. That's the deceiver saying, hey, I'm going to mess up this serpent crusher thing. The killing of all those baby boys in Egypt. That's, that's Satan. He's at work. Since we're talking about the killing of all those baby boys in, in Bethlehem and Herod, around the birth of Christ. It's over and over. The Bible is filled with Satan at work trying to destroy God's work. So, so this is, since we're talking about it, I know this part, the serpent crusher has come. This morning we saw that. We enjoyed that. But I'm telling you, he's still at work. Well, I thought he got his head crushed. No, not altogether. Well, how do you know that? Because he's still busy. The war is still going. When I read to you this morning, he'll be cast in the lake of fire forever and ever. That's at the conclusion. But he's still at work, friend. Well, Judah has the parchment. If there were a parchment, physical, he would pass it to Ferris. Amen? Ferris would pass pass it on to Ezra, and so on. But there is a problem. In Deuteronomy 23, if you'll turn there, Judah <clears throat> has a baby named well, he has twins, Ferris and Zerah. So before we read the verse, let's just set the stage here. Judah has a couple boys, <clears throat> and uh, one of them gets married to Tamar. He dies. 
in their culture and in their life, they, the, the brother is supposed to take his sister-in-law and have her bear children so she can still be included in the family and his brother's lineage could keep going. That's what they did. And so Judah said, okay, Tamar, you can have his brother. So then he died. Tamar, having children, she's all messed up. Well, Judah goes, I got it. I got it. We got this little one here. He's growing up. He won't, he'll, it'll be soon. And when he gets grown up, I'll send him over. She waits and waits and he never sends him. So Tamar's been out of shape, upset with her father-in-law and says, I'll fix this. So Tamar hears that Judah is coming up to where she is in this village area and she dresses on purpose and she looks like she's a prostitute. So since it's just a little parenthetical, you know, parentheses thing. So, Way back in Genesis, women dress like prostitutes. And it's like you could tell by looking at them, oh, that's one of them, they're prostitutes. It's kind of still going on today. Hmm. Regardless, Judah goes, oh, I didn't know there's a prostitute here. He's looking around. Uh, hey, how much? How, how much? He said, well, what do you give me? He said, well, I'll give you a couple kids out of the flock. Well, you ain't got no kids with you. What you got right now? I guess I got my signet, you know, my bracelet thing. Here's a staff here. She goes, that'll work. So he goes in and has relations with her. He leaves. He gets back and he says, hey, hey, Bubba, I mean servant, you know who you are. Come here, come here. Take a couple kids up there. There's a prostitute up there and go pay her. He goes up there and he's walking around dragging these sheep. Hey, y'all know where the, you know, you know, the prostitute lady is? There's no prostitute here. Well, there's one somewhere. And he looked all around and couldn't find one. He comes back and tells the boss, Judas, he says, uh, they don't even have prostitutes up there. Oh. Well, yeah, he doesn't understand it. A few months later, he finds out that his daughter-in-law is pregnant. He is bent out of shape. We're going to stone her now. And she goes, well, let me tell you who the daddy is. Oh, my bad. He said, I'm guilty. I should have sent the young one up here. Is everybody with me? She had two children. They're twins, Ferris and Zara. Ferris is the oldest, but we do have a problem. According to the Holy Bible, the Bible and Webster's Dictionary defines a baby that is born out of wedlock as a bastard. Look at Deuteronomy, please. <clears throat> 23, verse 2. If you move down, look at this. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. 
A son that is born out of wedlock cannot go into the congregation of the Lord. He can't participate in what's happening in the tabernacle, in the temple. He can't participate in there. And so he, we can't be the king. If you'll notice up here, Judah has a baby, he has Ferris. He can't be the king. You go down to Esram and Aram, Abinadab, Nason, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse. They cannot be. Why? Because it's only nine generations. Now, some of you know your Bible a little bit, and you know, you know that uh, Israel has been underneath the, the judges and the, the, the preachers, the prophets, and they've been underneath them for over 400 years, and they're going, we're tired of this. We want a king. They got a king. They got a king. We want a king. And they started chanting and shouting, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And Samson's heart was broken. Samuel's heart was broken. That he said, what? I can't believe they don't want me. And God said, Samuel, take it easy. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. You're a good judge. You're, you're who I chose. You're, what, you're doing what you should do. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You know what God said? Samuel. Go anoint Saul to be king. He's head and shoulders Saul and everybody. Is everybody with me? Now we would all say, we would all say, Saul is the first king of Israel. Samuel anointed him. Amen. Some of you know your Holy Bible. Some of you, this is a shocker to you and surprise. That's okay. Saul is not of the tribe of Judah. What tribe is he? Benjamin. You know what Samuel could have done? Samuel could have looked toward heaven and said, oh, God, um, that's a boo-boo. He ain't, he ain't of Judah. He's a Benjamite. He could have said that. And God would have said, I know that. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. If the parchment was being passed along, you know who has the parchment hanging in their house or in a drawer? Jesse. And if, and if Samuel would have went to Jesse and said, you're going to be the king, it would have violated God's law. It was impossible. He can't be the king, folks. He's not of the tribe of Judah, but he can't be the king. He don't got the parchment. So after Saul's off the scene, God tells Samuel, there he is, David. He's going to be the king. Can somebody say amen? I love it. Let me just do a little sidebar here. I can't say that other word, but, like, but anyway. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh, now I remember. When God makes a law, he doesn't bend it. They go, oh, I'm sorry you messed up so bad. Let me fix this so you can be okay. No, no, no. His law never changes. Excuse me. I go, his word never changes. And us knuckleheads are always trying to get him to give us a little room. Let's move around over here a little bit. Come on, come on, come on, God. You know how I'm just a human. I can't help myself. God forget. Oh, mercy. Stop it. So now David is the king. Uh, let me, don't I have it? Yeah, I do. 
The crown is up here with David. So now he not only has a scepter or parchment, now he's been identified. He the king. Before they just had the parchment say he the boss. He got the scepter. He's going to be in charge. But now he got the crown too. So David is the king. And there could be like a, uh, I don't know, a trick question you ask it in a, in a quiz. Who's the first king of Israel? Well, who's the first legitimate king of Israel? See the difference? Yeah. All right. I'm looking up here. This is kind of fascinating. Uh, Boaz, be, uh, Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Obed begat, Je wait a minute, Ruth. We got another problem. What, what do you mean, what's the problem? Ruth. When I first was working on this, I was looking at these women in the genealogy and I'm going, well, Rahab, that's kind of, she's, that's too bad. And then, you know, Tamar, uh, she messed up. And I thought, oh, Ruth, she's a sweetie. She was very obedient, nice. Your God will be my God. She's going wherever mama goes. It was awesome. And she did that nice, sweet thing with Boaz and how precious that is. It's a great love story. But I didn't even consider that she's like a Moabite. Well, so... Moabites are okay. They can get saved too. They can get God's people, yeah. But here's the problem. Let's go ahead and uh, look at Deuteronomy. Yeah, I think you're there, 23.3. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord even to the 10th generation. Shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord? You got to wait 10 generations. She's a Moabite. Where'd she come from? Well, the Moabites came from nephew Lot. So if you look up on the screen, no, you can't look on the screen. It's not there. I think it's the next one. So Abraham and Lot are up there together. They are at the same time of history. In fact, Lot's boys, Moab and Ammon, were born in chapter 19, and in chapter 21 is when Isaac came along. So they're in the same generation period of time. The Moabites came out of wickedness. Lot lives like an idiot living in Sodom and Gomorrah and acting like Sodom and Gomorrah won't affect me. It doesn't bother me any. I'm still okay. I'm with Abe. I'm with Abraham. He's my uncle. I'm good. He even saved me from uh, being a, a kidnapped and taking all my stuff. I'm back. I'm good. I'm all right. And God had to send an angel to drag him out. His wife dies and those two girls, I don't know if they're teenagers or 20-year-old or whatever, but Lot is now living in a cave. He's ashamed to be out in public. And those girls talking to each other and they've been so infected by Sodom, they go, we're not going to have any children. It's impossible. We're out here in Nowheresville. If we don't have children from dad, we ain't going to have them. So they got dad drunk, and the first one has Moab, the second one has Ammon. And God said, nobody in the tenth, till the 10th generation. Did you count them? 
You see that? Ruth doesn't come along till the 11th generation. Why? Because God keeps his word. And it was okay. So she still is a sweetie. She just happens to be connected to some crummy people. Oh, don't, don't get bent out of shape. I think all of us are. Yeah. Hmm. Now we're going to get more information. I, I don't know if this is a correct thing or not, but we're going there. Look at King David. Here's what the Bible says about David. He will be, a, we, get, we get more information about this promised seed that's coming. It's going to be in the lineage of David. He's going to be king. And wait a minute, David's kingdom is forever. The Holy Bible says it's forever. Wow. So David is the king. It's incredible. Everybody has the parchment and the crown. All the way going on down here to Josiah's. Something horrible is getting ready to happen. These first 14 generations looking good. The next generation, another horrible curse happens. Jeremiah 22, please. Jeremiah 22. It's heartbreaking. It's just almost unbelievable, but here's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 22, verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence. Look up here, please. Look up here. Coniah has two other names, Jeconiah and Jeconias. They're all three the same person. God said if Coniah, if Jeconiah was the signet, the authority ring on my right hand, he said, I would pluck it off and lay it aside. In fact, look at the verse, verse 28. Is this man Coniah a despised broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Verse 29. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Verse 30, thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. Mercy sakes, God's already promised David, your throne will be forever. You go a few generations down and you come to Coniah and he lives in such a wicked way that God curses Coniah and says, in fact, he says, I write you childless. Now, I do know that he did. It doesn't mean that he never had a child because he had children. Well, what does it mean? That God said his offspring are useless. So what? They're not going to be on the throne. They're not part of it. So Jeconias is cursed. The crown is gone. The parchment is no count. Are you seeing that if you, have, if you pass the parchment down, if you pass the record down, Jeconiah has it. And God curses 
The line of Judah is judged. None of this lineage will sit on the throne of David. That becomes perplexing when you get down here to Jacob. He's kin to Jeconiah. Wow. Why would God include <laughs> Jeconias in the lineage in the book of Matthew if he's such a foul up? Why would God do that? Because he has the parchment. If the parchment was passed, if the record was passed, he's the one with it. So God doesn't hide it or cover it up. If you and I were going to do the investigating work and say, okay, we want to find out who the rightful heir is. Who is supposed to sit on the throne of David? If we did the work, it would have to, if we were going to go through this, it would have to include Coniah, Jeconias. And it would go to Joseph. If, I know there's not, but if there were a parchment and I'm not sure there weren't. I'll talk about that in a minute. But if there was this parchment passed on, Joseph is the one that now has it in his home somewhere in a drawer, in a, in a trunk somewhere. He's the one with it, but it's no good. Hmm. He's not the birth father of Jesus, is he? But he is the legal father. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not, but like when you're adopted into the family, you have the same rights as the other ones. So the parchment goes from Joseph to Jesus. Well, let's do some more work on this. Go with me to Matthew 1, please. <clears throat> the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. We go all the way down to verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who called Christ. Hmm. Listen to this verse. Listen to this. Listen to it. Romans. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made the seed of David, according to the flesh. Hmm. Matthew traces Christ's ancestry through his adopted father, Joseph. But none of Jeconias's uh, offspring, descendants, can sit on the throne. Somehow or another, there's going to have to be another miracle. God's going to have to step in. And he does. Before you leave, though, Matthew, I just want to show you this that I just learned this afternoon. 
And this uh, uh, website, I guess you could call it, is contradicting the Bible contra contradictions. Contradicting the Bible's contradictions. A fellow named Van Nort, he said this, the second word, the book of the generation of Jesus. He said that word book, another way that we might could say that is the, uh, the document. So Matthew knows there's this document that tells of the lineage of Joseph. And so he has the document in front of him. And this is, this is something, I don't know, do you remember that, uh, see, Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem because they needed to pay their taxes. Do you know when they got there, they needed some kind of ID. And their ID is very likely this document, this book, this record. Is everybody with me? So it possibly has been passed down. And he shows this to the tax collectors and says, I'm of the lineage of the house of David. Amen? We know that's true. Turn with me to Luke, 1, Luke 3. Luke 3, and we'll get to work. I'm, I'm over halfway done almost. I'm almost halfway done, kind of. But I've learned, us preachers can say in closing uh, 50 times. I'm not saying in closing yet. All right, here we go. So here God has to step in again or step in and us be aware that he's stepping in. So watch Luke. One, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. I said Luke three. We're going to do one first. I'm sorry. Luke one first. We are going to three. Luke one. Look at verse 30. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with the God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. What's what the Bible says. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father who? David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Well, wait a minute. How can God do this? This ain't right. God doesn't change his word to fit people. Well, it's because of what God does, stepping in, in Luke chapter 3. Here we go, Luke 3, verse number 31. I'm sorry, verse 23. I'm looking at the wrong part of my note here. Luke 20, verse 23. <clears throat> and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, son of Joseph, which was the son of Eli, which was the son of Methat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was, wait, 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 wait. Let's see. Up there, that says in Matthew that Jacob begat Joseph. Amen? 
here it says, let's see this, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Eli. Eli. I thought he was the son of Jacob. Well, he is. Well, he can't have two daddies. Well, he doesn't. Well, what does that mean? Well, since you ask, I'll talk to you about it. When the Bible says that Jacob begat Joseph, there is no doubt about it. That means he begat him. He did daddy. J.T. McCracken begat Dave McCracken. He's my dad. I married Nancy. We've been married uh, uh, five, six years now. <laughs> Seems like it. My heart's just like, like Jacob's. I'm just a lover. Anyway, okay, 49 years or something like that. That's a lot. I don't really know the number. Okay. Her dad's name is Vernon. And so if he was doing the lineage, he would come out like this. Dave McCracken, the son of Vernon Vance. It would come out like that. I'm not begotten by him. He did not birth me, but I am now part of him and his uh, family tree. And so they could say. And so rather than use Mary's name, they use Joseph's name. And Eli is Joseph's father-in-law because normally when they did do genealogy in their period of time in their history, especially anything to do with Jewish people, they didn't include the women. And if you read Mary's genealogy here, no girls are mentioned. It's fascinating that we say Luke was written to Gentiles. Matthew is written to Jews. Jews never use the girls' names. Gentiles might occasionally, but under Mary and the Bible here, they don't use any of the girls' names. Fascinating. But it is Mary's, Mary's genealogy that they're giving here. And so, if you look in the scripture now, uh, verse 31, which was the son of Melia, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Methatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Excuse me. The other screen says that, uh, see, Solomon, David begat Solomon. This one says that Nathan is the son of David. Is Nathan really David's son? Yeah, he is. So here's the deal. Mary's genealogy goes all the way back to David. So we'll maybe look at it like this. So we have the family tree. I don't have all... Uh, 28 names or 42 names listed up there, but we start with Jesus. On the left, Joseph, Zerubbabel, Jeconiah, Solomon, David, and then David goes all the way back to Abraham. Amen? Right. All right, now on this side over here, you got Mary. She's, her daddy is Eli or Heli, and so it's Methatha, Nathan, and David. Yep. Huh. So Mary actually does have royal blood in her veins. Where'd she get them? Uh, like from King David. Amen? But Nathan, he doesn't have the parchment. But Joseph does. 
Hmm. It's, wow. It's as if God kind of worked this out that on one side you have Joseph and he goes all the way back to David and he has the legal parchment right to be on the throne. But the curse invalidated that. Parchment's still around, evidently, because Gabriel told Mary, well, sit on the throne of his father, David. So it's still around. Mary goes up to David, not through Coniah, but through Nathan to David. It's almost as if there's only two people on the planet that could have the Son of God move into their life. And he would have the authority to sit on the throne and he has the pure blood to sit on the throne of his father David forever. <laughs> I just about love it. It's incredible. He's without the curse. So Jesus is born a human and he has lineage through Mary that has the bloodline of David in it. She has, he is born of not Joseph. He's born of God. But he has the lineage through Joseph <laughs> to have the parchment, to have the crown. Mercy sakes. No, 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 no. He doesn't have Adam's seed in him. He doesn't have the serpent seed in him. He's born like uh, sinless. In fact, he was tempted without point with all. He was, he was tempted all the way without sin. He was tempted at all points. He couldn't save with all points. Without sin, amen? amen. All right, 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 right. In calling Christ the son of David and now the son of Abraham, also in Matthew, Matthew shows that God is faithful to his promise and will make good every word that he's spoken. The seed of a woman, a virgin, shall conceive. When God promised Abraham a son who shall be a great blessing to the, all the world, Perhaps, perhaps Abraham thought it would be his immediate firstborn son. But he wasn't. In fact, it need to be about 42 generations later. Not too far from 2,000 years. You know, listen carefully, delays in God's promise does not weaken them. They're still just as powerful as when he said it in Genesis 3.15. Wow. Do you have your Bible still at Genesis, uh, Luke? I just thought this was just fun for me. It might not be for you, but Luke 3. I read it. I remember it. I want to tell it to you. Verse 23. Jesus himself, being about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Eli, and it goes all the way down through the son of, the son of, the son of. Go ahead and go to verse 37. 
which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Malil, which was the son of Canine, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Do you know that Jesus is the only person that it's even possible that his genealogy starts with him and it ends with him? <laughs> That's so awesome. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. I did it. I love it. There Jesus stands in all fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 and Isaiah 7.14. Wow. While Joseph thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now all this was done that might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means interpreters God with us. The angel tells Mary the same thing. He shall set and give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Incredible. Now I want to take a turn here, and I want to bring this out toward the closing, close to the closing. The genealogy of Christ, it includes five women, including Mary. First one's up here is Tamar, second one's Rahab, the third one's Ruth and, and Bathsheba. You know, Tamar, we went over her. She's a Jewish lady. Seemed like it. She was part of the tribe of Judah and so on. And anyway, his boys married her. But she had this heart in her of deception. And she thinks the best way to take care of this is pretend, play yeah. as if she's a prostitute. The next one up here is Rahab. It's hard to believe that Rahab is the grandmother of David. And all we know her name is, is Rahab the harlot. But actually she married a man named, we pronounce it Salmon. I don't know why we don't say Salmon. When you go to the restaurant, you say Salmon, they'll smile at you. But I will tell you, the people that read the Bible out loud and you listen to them, they pronounce it Salmon. She married a prince. He, would, he has the parchment. Well, Rahab. But she has a past. And there's Ruth, the Moabitess. We spent time on her a while ago. It is true, just because your brother's wicked or your uncle's wicked or your great-grandfather's wicked doesn't mean you have to be. And it's true. But it doesn't change the fact where she came from. There's Bathsheba. 
You know that David wasn't the only one that committed adultery? Rahab is a Gentile, Ruth is a Gentile, and I've always, until I did this message, I've always considered Bathsheba a Jew. I don't know why, but I just did. But you know she was married to a Hittite. It's kind of like she might not have been a Jew. So I just put them both up there. But she did commit adultery. When you look at the kings of Judah, there's 20 of them. The Bible does say, it says that eight of them were good. They were mostly good, but it does specifically pronounce 12 of them were wicked. They were evil. And they're in a genealogy of Jesus. Jews don't normally put women in the genealogy. They could have skipped over these four ladies, not even talk about them. Just ignore that and just put down, okay, this is the genealogy. He's, he would, he's the scepter holder. Hmm. But these people in the genealogy of Jesus, listen to them. They're idolaters, prostitutes, polygamists, murderers, liars, and thieves. But Jesus put on a human body so he could bring good news. He put on a human body so he could be born for us, so he could die for us. Wow. What about Mary? Well, we know, we know this. She did, she was born with Satan's seed. She's a sinner. Amen? She's a human. Is there any sins recorded? Not that I can specifically, I can't find them. But we know she's a sinner. Well, he chose Mary. I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you. It was like this. When Gabriel showed up, he said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. You know, some of us have been in church a long time. We're good old Baptists. We know the definition of grace. It's unmerited. Pretend like you know the answer is favor. Here we go. Grace is God's unmerited? Wow, it's special. No, no, no. Why did God choose Mary? It's His grace. She was born in the lineage under David, and yes, she is there, but I'm telling you, God didn't choose her because she's sinless. He didn't choose her because she's cute. She didn't choose her because she's perfect. He chose her because of His grace. She's, she, wasn't, she wasn't a little bit favored. That's not what the Bible says. She's highly favored. Thou hast found grace. Thou hast found favor with God. It's 
incredible. Okay, I'm wrapping it up. When I was asking Angie to help me and we were making those charts with the 14 generations, and then I asked her about Judah, Ferris, and how could we, she said, well, let's put a red X on him. Here's what Angie said. Why, why would God choose Judah? Why not Joseph? He's the good one. So I said, why would God choose Abraham? Why would God choose me? Why would he choose any of us? The whole reason Jesus came is to die for sinners. And his genealogy is full of wickedness and sin. And he put on flesh and became one of us and bumped around sinners. The Holy One of Heaven. Why? Because we all need a Savior. And the only reason any of us get chosen is His grace. It's God's grace. You and I have no right to be here except God's grace. We have no right to get on our knees and ask God to give us a new start except for God's grace. The only reason we'll have a a good year. The, I know many of us start reading the Bible. January the 1st, I'm going to start reading my Bible, start reading my Bible. And then we get up past Genesis and get into Exodus going, okay, but then we get, oh, mercy. Leviticus is tough, baby. I missed about a week already. How am I going to catch up? Let me just tell you something, friend. When you miss, just pick up where you're left off. Don't go back to Genesis and start again. Let's pick up where you left off. And that's why it's good to have a little thing that you mark it off when you read it. Mark it off. Don't mark off your Bible. You know, I'm not saying scratch out your Bible. Well, I read that part already. <laughs> but some kind of map. Man, you guys are hard to help. <laughs> Let's start again. Start again. You stop tithing. Start again. Stop praying. Start again. You stop witnessing, start again. We have a brand new opportunity in just a few hours to start again. And this afternoon, I told you, and I, I made commitment to God this afternoon. And I'm saying it out loud to you. So when I talk to him about it tomorrow and five days from now, that I say, I told, I told Southwest Baptist that I made this commitment. I'm not going, to, not going to quit. I'm not going to give in. Is everybody hearing me? You say, what did you make a commitment to? Okay, since you ask, I'll go ahead and tell it. It's none of your business. <laughs> and you got commitments you need to make that's none of my business. But you need to make it. The genealogy of Christ is remarkable. It's fascinating. And he did it all because he loves sinners. Would you stand with me, please?
Let's pray. Our great God, I sure do love you. Thank you. Thank you that you let me do such a thing and stand in front of people and try to discover and preach your word. I'm grateful and thankful for Southwest Baptist Church and committed people that have been here 50 years, some longer. Some have only been here a few months, but they're already committed. Thank you. I pray that all of us would love you because how much you love us and what you've done for us. God, I pray that what we've done tonight has not been an exercise in futility, but it's been a blessing to you that we discover what you did for us. And I pray that we would be heartfelt believers that enjoy and are thrilled by what you've done for us and then we'll not just enjoy it, but we'll surrender and submit to you for what you've done for us. Those that are not saved, I know you love them. The whole reason you came is to save them from their sin. I pray they'd say yes to you. Thank you, Christ. Thank you.